Talks, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills, our skills, my skills as a guitar player. Uh, my name is Dylan Murphy, um, amateur guitarist, singer-songwriter, uh, always looking to improve, um, wanted to improve, uh, enlisted a friend who actually runs a guitar school to start a podcast. Uh, John, that's you. How are you? That's me. Yes. That's Hello. You. Hello. Yes. yes. How, how are you? How's, how's your week been? Yeah, it's good. Um, I, I shan't. Uh, every day is exactly the same. To pretty much like you know, not to get too existential about it, but yeah, good. Um, I have been playing more guitar because I've actually started teaching again, which is nice because it gives me a reason to actually like, oh, I have to learn this, or else I'll look like a fool, and the students will expose me for the yes. imposter that I am. So, um, you know, you know, the world of teaching in a nutshell. Just your imposter um, syndrome showing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no. In 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 one word, I'm good, and in two words, pretty good. Um, how are you? Ah, uh, doing all right. A bit of the same, actually. So trying to be more regular about my practice too. But I've got some students working on some chon right now, and it's like, oh gosh, I better. Uh, whew, I don't even know what to tell you. Like, new listeners, if you don't know who Chan are or what the band Chan is, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. But listen anyway. You know, you, you might. Yes, go, de- definitely just pause the podcast, go check out some Chan, and watch some videos. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So it really yeah. is. I, 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 a friend of mine, you know how you can see what other people are listening to on Spotify? Yes. Um, a friend of mine, he's like a, a jazz pianist from Spain, and he loves, but he loves metal. So, like, Chan are kind of perfect for him in terms of like, you've got the yeah. odd time signatures and you've got the uh, really colorful melodies and you know but it's just it grooves it grooves so so freaking hard it really does and just the way the the way they kind of put things together like in terms of composition like broad brushstrokes harmonies it's nothing super spectacular but it is incredibly technical so um and it's fun to listen to like you said it just grooves so it's good california like riding around with a skateboard down there in Santa Barbara, it really whatever. Is, you know, if you're, we all we all need that. We all need that kind of music. Um, sweet. So, John, it is uh, your lick of the week this week, and I had a little uh, sneak peek at your lick of the week, and uh, it appears that you are continuing down this rock and roll history vibe. I am good. So we talked we talked about the Kinks before, and who else was Chuck Berry? Where your two Chuck last Berry, yes. Um, new listeners, we uh, each alternating week, one of us takes a uh, t- t- takes a lick in terms of the world of guitar and tries to get the other person to guess who what it is and who it is and why they picked it. And uh, yeah, this is John this week, so I'm going to listen in three, two, one, now. Okay. Okay. Um. This is okay. This is an Elvis song. I'm gonna start. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay, good. Cool. It's an Elvis song. Scotty Moore. I want to say. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was so. Really, yeah. And then this is. I want to say Blaze Wade Shoes. Not quite. Not Hound quite. Dog. Hound, Hound Dog. Hound Dog. Oh my gosh. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. I. 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 I grew. Well, I. My parents 
weren't big Elvis fans, but my grandparents on my father's side were, and they had all those vinyls kind of growing up. So I, I know, and also I, I read a lot of books on Elvis growing up because I found the whole lifestyle fascinating. My girlfriend actually yeah. tried to figure out if we could go to Graceland for my recent 30th birthday, but it never came to be. So holding out for the big 4-0 to go to Graceland. But yes, okay, cool. I love this. Um, I've actually sat down, I think, many, many moons ago trying try to learn this solo. Um, it's a great... It's funny because like this is very technical playing and this is essentially a 12 bar blues um, and yeah. we talked about in our blues episode. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. You've got double stops in there. You've got like really nice kind of vibrato and kind of chromatic runs as well. It's, it's, a, it's a really, really good guitar. So I'm much more technical than it needs to be, you know, for this. It just works yeah. really well. He's, he's kind of showing off. Um, cool. So John, uh, Elvis, Scotty Moore, why did you pick this song? Well, uh, I mean, everything you just said, like, so well said. It, the the thing is, is, Scotty Moore, of course, is kind of the the lead in, in terms of this rockabilly sound. It's working with Sam Phillips in those early Elvis recordings. That's where they get that slapback delay that really gives that when we think rockabilly, when we think Buddy Holly, when we think even the newer stuff, I mean, when you think of somebody like Brian Setzer, Brian Setzer is so influenced by Scotty Moore and this whole time period, right? And it's, it's that sound, but so much of what you just said here, like his incorporation of country, the fact that it's a 12 bar blues, he's a big influence, or one of Scotty Moore's big influences was Chad Atkins. And so a lot of those, as you say, double stops, finger picking, uh, the way he mutes those strings, even in that solo, right? He kind of does these real staccato notes. He likes that a lot. He's got two solos in this song. I picked this one because I think it's a little bit tighter. Um, And it's amazing too, like so much of this stuff is just, this is the first take or this is the third take. They weren't doing a lot of takes, you know, it's not... They weren't kind of in there and they didn't do 17 takes. It was kind of, we rehearsed this and this is kind of the solo that came out. And I think what's interesting is you see Scotty's background in jazz and country Mm. and all of this plays into rock and roll. This early American rock and roll is blues, jazz, and country all kind of rolled into one thing. And it's not really until I think, Rock finds itself on a little more steady ground going into the 70s after the Stones and the Beatles. But this is still that early kind of like we're still trying to figure out what it sounds like. We're still trying to figure out what this style is. And Scotty Moore is just so influential on it. I mean, Jailhouse Rock, you take that, for example, too. And that's a lot of people point to that as the first time they heard power chords. Now, we talked about it in the blues episode there are people playing power chords before this, but Jailhouse Rock is such a universal hit. And you hear that just those big open fifths and octaves sliding back and forth. And it's just like, that's the sound of rock and roll, that power chord, right? And even though you have people, these blues masters earlier playing it, this is where it kind of gains mainstream momentum. And I think that's that's part of the reason why he is so influential and his time with Elvis shaped so much of that early Elvis sound that it just yeah. it shaped rock and roll. That's a 
beautifully put so succinct i could not have put it better that's that's great i really like that idea of you know because this is a period of time that lasted i don't know, maybe less than a decade in terms of like before the beatles came out and it's it's just it was very um kind of lightning in the bottle sort of thing in terms of like figuring mm-hmm. out the sound and what it was supposed to sound like and one thing as well you know people think you know these this kind of classic rock and roll solo and they think you know you've got this on one end and then you've got like luther perkins Folsom prison blues on the other you know just in terms of like a super basic like kind of you know solo but then you've got uh, scotty moore just going like up and down the fretboard and um, so it's it's really cool just to see kind of the juxtaposition between those two and yeah really really good choice i'm really looking forward to seeing where you take this next time and um, in yeah, terms of your rock and roll and, and like history. you said you know that's just to give that context hound dog is 52 um and the beatles really hit the stage in 64 right yeah. so you're exactly right like there's this 10-year period where rock and roll is finding its feet and whether it's it's going to be how it's going to be influenced and this is so key to that so anyway yeah cool so and now for something well kind of completely different and um, so we thought it would be nice to do a little bit of a scales refresher i've been you know, kind of trying to broaden my, my, my scale of vocabulary. I've been doing a few courses on pickup music, which I'll talk a little bit about later when we talk about what we've been working on. Um, but yeah, scales. I mean, when I think of scales, because I've started um, in lockdown, I've started learning piano and started, you know, just very basic stuff in terms of like, uh, just, just, you know, and, and the thing is like, I'll warm up. I don't want to do kind of traditional warm-up exercises, so I'll warm up with scales, which is something I'll do on guitar every now and again, but with piano, I kind of know exactly where I'm going. Um, so when I think of scales on guitar, I mean, a few things come to mind. I mean, like the minor pentatonic, obviously, and, you know, the major scale. And then after that, for a lot of people, it can get very um, confusing or they don't know where to go. So before we go into that, I suppose, John, why, from a teacher's perspective, why do you think um, it's important to, to, to learn scales? Well, I think, I mean, scales, like you said, a finger exercise. And if you've ever played, I know I have a lot of students, particularly younger students, who come to the guitar from band instruments, you know, woodwinds or horns or something like that. And in a lot of those cases, they learn a scale because um, that's just the warm-up that they play at school. Like that's okay. it or in band. And so they have the same mentality when it comes to guitar. And even for me, when I first started guitar, my teacher said, here's a C major scale, open position, play the C major scale. I didn't know why I just played it. Cause it was like, okay, well I want to learn. So I'm going to learn this C major scale. I don't know how many times I've used a C major scale in open position in the middle of a song, but I could probably count it on one hand. So um, just, you know, just because like how often do you play there? And secondly, from a C major, like how often do you play in the key of C on a guitar? It's not as often as maybe you would think. So um Anyway, point being, I think scales are important because they're the foundation of music. So getting away from this idea of it's just, it's a finger exercise. And I think that's, that's what happens a lot of times when you go into a lesson and you don't quite understand what's going on. But moving into understanding this is the foundation of everything we're going to do. How does the major scale tie into the chords I'm going to play? How does the major scale tie into the melody I'm going to sing, I'm going to play, I'm going to write, you know, all of those things. 
I think it's really important to understand how that scale is the foundation and whether that's the major scale or a minor scale or your Phrygian dominant scale or whatever. Um, and we will have to talk about modes again another time, but um, <laughs> modes are just scales and that's the thing. So people kind of get, I think especially as guitar players, we get really hung up on, well, I got to learn my modes. Like you actually already know all of your diatonic modes. Let's put it that way. All the modes based off of the major scale, you already know them if you know your major scales. So I think it's important to start with that major scale and the major scale is a great way to branch out if you're, stuck in that pentatonic rut. What do you want to do different? Well, take a look at the major scale, add two notes, and it changes your playing for the most part. But anyway, that's my yeah. teacher spiel of why we go through the scales. That's, yeah, I, so that's great. I mean, so one thing I've been doing, I, I just to bring it back to my own learning and how I've kind of been noticing the scales being used is, um, or improving my knowledge of the use of scales is I've been doing this course on pickup music, which is, um, you know, I'll explain a little bit more about, but it's uh, essentially there's all these different courses. And one of the ones they recommend starting off on was this kind of like an introduction to blues. So I'm like, cool, I'd like to fill out my, you know, the gaps in my knowledge when it comes to blues. And they talk about the, the scale in terms of like the, the 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 minor scale and they talk about going to the playing the second note and the sixth note as a, which is basically as we know is outside the pentatonic and the kind of color that that can add and i was like okay cool i would never consider playing these notes outside you know outside of the pentatonic scale but when soloing it just doesn't come to me naturally and just in terms of like the the sense of um it really adds a new feeling to the chords that I'm playing underneath. You know, when you play with a loop pedal and then you, you, you kind of toy around with what different notes in the scale add to the actual part that you're playing. I, I yeah. find that's really, really cool. So, I mean, in terms of like, if you're a teacher and you're, you're teaching scales and someone um, comes to, like they, they want to kind of like improve their scales, would you have like a, a totem of like what scales to learn when? Or would you, I mean, are there any scales that you'd like, okay, you need to learn this if you want to, become better are there any kind of go-to rules that you would have from a teacher's perspective I, I think it depends on where you are and where you're starting yeah. with the scales right and so if you're kind of just starting out and you weren't want to learn how to solo more often than not I'm going to point you towards the pentatonic scale which I'm a little hesitant to do to be perfectly honest because I think if you know your major scale again it's really easy to just play the pentatonic but if you're still relatively new to the instrument, one of the best things you can do is just pick up something that you can start with. And the pentatonic scale is a really easy way to do that. It's easy to memorize, particularly that first shape. Everyone learns it. A minor, fifth position, you know, the five, eight, five, seven, five, seven, five, seven, five, eight, five, eight, right? Um, everybody knows that one. So, but it's a great place to start because it just gets you going and you realize that you can start moving the shape. After that, I tend to move into major scales, or if I have a student that I think can handle those major scales, that's where I started. But I like what you said about the using that loop pedal, because I think it's really important to, to have something that you can play with. Again, the purpose of the scale is to make music, like you said, not to just play through it. So when you're working on it, 
I like to use backing tracks. I know our dear friend Jens strongly suggests not <laughs> using backing tracks, time. but um, I'm, if it gets yeah. you playing, there's no harm in it. Right. You know, and I think he, his point is more about timing. Mine is more about like, just listen to what you're playing and learn to listen to the notes you're playing. I think guitar tends to be really mechanical sometimes. And so yes. instead of, just playing through the scale, play through the scale. What I try to get my students to do, and this is a great exercise if you're working on a new scale, either get a loop pedal, loop a chord progression, or just one chord even, and then work on getting, uh, or a backing track. And then play the scale, start in quarter notes, and see which notes work well over your chord or your backing track. And then you're, you start to identify like, oh, now I can start to hear how these notes work. And some notes are kind of like, uh, like the four, yeah, for example, weak. which is kind of like, it's a weak tone and it wants to go one direction or the other. Whereas that seven, you've only got one option. If you're playing the seventh degree uh, up against a chord, like that thing needs to resolve up to that major, uh, to that octave, right? So I think those are, those are key things to listen for and listen to how those behave and listen how they color your melody too, right? So start, yes. in, start just playing the scale up and down in quarter notes, then go back at it in eighth notes, and then start varying those rhythms. So maybe you hold one out for a half note and then an eighth note, and then you do a 16th note run and land on the root or something like that. So really spending time with the scale and the shape, but listening to what you're playing. Again, I can't, I, I, I can't stress it enough. Like I, I think when we get away from just, ah, here's the shape into listening to what we're playing, that's when you start to change the way you think about the instrument. That's when you start to build melodies that you really like and other people go, Hey, that sounds fantastic. So that's, um, that's a little more than what you asked for, right? <laughs> but no, that's great. That's, um, no, that's that's really useful. I think really useful information. Um, so that that's okay. So that that's 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 really cool. I mean, in terms of like figuring out yourself how to color the notes. One thing that was a real, you know, you just mentioned there the the use, using the after learning the pentatonic because it's a very you know good, great way to get going, as you said bringing in the major scale now for me like from a rock blues perspective which would be my background learning the major scale was never really a top priority for me and um, it always almost seemed like okay i can play the c major scale as you said but mm -hmm. i mean like i don't really have much use of it because you know with the minor scale you've got that flattened third which sounds so cool and you've got that you know the, more, it's got more of an edge than the major scale but then I, I watched um ben eller's video on like why you should learn the major scale and you've been learning it wrong and it was really it kind of broke it all down for me so i would really recommend that as a resource but say for us you know people that are kind of self-taught or would learn through the resources out there are there any kind of go-to uh, places that you or books that you would recommend for learning your scales or any players that you would listen to in terms of like getting a better idea of you know you're playing with scales or any I, kind of resources out there um you know the trouble is i think with a lot of these is for example like your guitar grimoire giant book of scales right that has your hindu scale and all your modes and all these things like <laughs> again if it's about understanding shapes i think and so if you understand how these shapes connect 
but you also understand the notes in the shape. So again, it's not just something that's mechanical, but it's an, you're working your way to going, oh, I know where the fourth degree of the scale is. Then if you wanna do some sort of crazy mode, this is sort of along the same lines that Bernd uh, Brotega writes, kind of talks about modes and scales is understanding first your major scale, then you can just move everything around from that. Um, now I have a student in particular who, is a little unusual in that he just gravitated towards the minor scale and he thinks about all the things in minor. Um, I took lessons from <laughs> Steve Kahn for a while, a jazz, famous jazz guitarist and based out of New York. I had, a, I had a few lessons with him, but he thinks about everything in Dorian, which I still don't understand. So great player. I'm sure he's a genius. I don't understand how he approaches it. So but I think what makes sense for your brain is kind of where to look for it. Looking as far as books go, for me, I feel like it's kind of a lot of waste of space. So what I will do here is kind of just do a little introduction for like the cage system, which I think is really one of the most useful things that you can look at. And the way I have my students practice it is you play the chord, you play the scale that goes with the chord, and then you play the arpeggio that goes with them and then you play the chord again. And the whole idea there is that the chord will help map out the fretboard for you. So the cage system will give you those five different shapes up and down the fretboard, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, what I will do is just because we're talking about it, we'll put it on the Patreon, it'll just be there. You can just grab yes. it. Um, and that'll be all three of those documents about the cage system and just how to jump on there and play it. And that's something that maybe we can do another you know, behind the scenes episode or something on what exactly it is. And it's, people talk a lot yeah. about it. It's not a mystery. It's just five scale shapes that link together and it allows you to play in any key. And it's like, once you know it, it is just such, it unlocks so much. Yeah. And I mean, that's where, like you said, you know, you might gravitate towards the minor first. Well, that's fine. If you know your minor, you actually know your major scale shapes too. You know all your modal shapes. It's by learning these five basic scale shapes, you actually already know all the other shapes you need to know. So that's that's why I strongly recommend it. For me, it was a revelation to kind of go through that. And then it did take, as far as learning things like the modes, to be able to see it, it took some practice, but I understood the concept. And so once you understand the concept and you go, oh, E Phrygian is the same thing as C major. Here's where my C major scale is. If I just start on the E, now I can see where this is. And just emphasize the notes that make it Phrygian as opposed to C major. Um, but that's a whole other discussion. So <laughs> anyway. No, uh, but that's, from, that, that's great. I think the other thing that's important to address here, and I wanted to ask you about this, like from a songwriter standpoint, when you're thinking about chord progressions or licks or those sorts of things, how do you use your scales in order to inform your, whether that's, whether that's the, the theory that goes behind your chord selection or, because so far we've only talked about individual notes playing, essentially playing solos or leads or building melodies, but scales have a role to play in chords as well yes. right which is which is a big thing um yeah i mean like so the, the more i've learned the more i've been able to kind of play around see the thing is like as a singer songwriter you can bake it 
break it down to a very um basic level in terms of like progressions you know four core progressions not even four you can do it with three so i think the big thing that learning more about scales and theory in general has been me finding out you know certain chords don't always have to go they don't always have to resolve they don't always have to you know little tricks you can pick up like for example like the the fourth chord doesn't always have to be major if you if you turn it into a minor chord it's it gets a whole lot more interesting so i mean like me learning about scales it's 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 very much i can't separate the scales from the chords i if i'm learning a new chord i always like to figure out like what makes it different from the other ones in terms of scale degrees and we talked recently that i've been trying to learn more about sixth chords and kind of being able to pick out the note uh, that the sixth note so say for example if you're playing a um playing a c6 trying to hear the a note that shines through and makes it such a an interesting uh you know uh, uh, adds color as i said before mm -hmm. so that's kind of how i would use it and then when i'm writing solos I think like the, the more scales that I'm learning or the, the way that I'm, you know, figuring out, it kind of comes back to the whole, like what chords you're breaking it down over. So it's, it's, it's very much like this, the scales and the chords are very intertwined for me from a writing perspective, but it's something that there's, there's always more to learn and there's always more to study. And it's, it's, it's something that I find like really, really stimulating, but it sometimes for me, and I think it's just like, it's something that I can get very hung up on in terms of like, if I learn something new, I find it very hard to move to the next stage. I'm like, I want to get this scale or this mode down before moving on. So, you know, it can be something of a two steps forward, one steps back before you, one step back before you, uh, you, you kind of pull it all together, but it's definitely something that I would like, recommend looking into um if you're like if you're you know just in terms of like improving your scales you're going to improve as a musician overall and then whether you're a songwriter or not and so yeah i mean that's a very long-winded answer but that's you know i would always think about the chords first and then think about the scales that go under them and there's just so many resources out there on that so um yeah but that's that's a really it. important point too is when you when you're thinking about the chords now one of the things I try to do with a lot of my students is like have them pick a solo and then let's look at the chord structure that that solo is going over. And more often than not, there's a lot of really important things to pick out there and say like, well, see, look, he's emphasizing the notes in the chord, right? So that's the, the thing is, is it's not just, you're not just playing a solo over a scale. You've got to think about the notes that you're going to put with those chords. And so, yeah, the whole thing might be in the key of G, it might be in the key of A minor or whatever, but if you're playing an A over an E minor chord, well, it's the right scale, but that's definitely not the right note, right? So it's that really unstable four that we were talking about earlier. And that's understanding that and knowing that just takes time just sitting with the scales and really working on them, which is why like even still, if whether it's a new scale or a different way to approach the scale, a different shape or a different way to see it on the fretboard, I still try to incorporate that in my regular practice, even if it's only five or 10 minutes, depending on how much time I have in a day, but still try to incorporate some sort of scale practice just to increase my vocabulary or change the way I'm thinking about the fretboard. So highly recommend yeah, we've keeping scales in your practice. Yeah. We've anyway. talked about before about getting, getting you know caught in ruts and i think that's what it comes back to is that a scale you know a further analysis or learning improving your knowledge of scales is, is a great way of getting out of a rut because it's like 
it, it's just it's it, it can be so beneficial in in all forms of playing music. Sweet. So scales, have people go crazy. <laughs> um, so John, that brings me to my all important question that I ask every episode. What have you been working on? What have I been working on? So a couple of things. Um, I've been going back and speaking of scales and harmonic progressions, working on um, one of the songs from I Built the Sky's latest release. So we had uh, Rowan Friend of the show, uh, Rowan. Stevenson on earlier or earlier this year, whatever. I don't know. It's 2020. It all bleeds together. Uh, so yeah, one of his songs and then um, working on a few riffs and maybe a project. So I might keep you abreast of that. We'll see what happens um, of a band. I don't know if you've heard of this band. They're called Sabaton. I don't know if I've mentioned them before. You have not. I have not. Okay. Sabaton. They are basically, um, yeah, they're, I don't know how to describe it. They're history metal. So they sing songs oh. about epic battles. So, oh my God, um, this isn't the Roman Empire band you told me about. No, 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 no. This is, yeah, the, not the Roman Empire death metal band. This is, this is sort of, I, they're going to be in Denver with Judas Priest. They're more kind of like classic heavy metal. Oh yeah, absolutely am I going to that. That's uh, not for another year, which is a real bummer. It's like, I got all excited thinking there was, there were going to be shows and there was like, these guys were coming in September. No, no, it's next September. It's really disappointing. But anyway, point being um, just a, what's interesting about them is they frequently will have a key change going into the solo um, or a key change somewhere else in the song. So it just, it's a little bit different. And it's kind of cool to just map out the solo. Not that any of them are super technical. They're just fun to play. Nice melodic stuff. And it's, um, yeah, it's just been fun. Like, I'll just put it that way. So the up into the ether, the I Built the Sky stuff is a little more technically challenging. The Sabaton stuff is just something fun to be like, I learned a thing. Hooray. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Why not? That's, you got to keep yeah. it fun. That, there you go. Nice anyway, so and you, I know before the show, you said that you were going to talk a little bit about the uh, pickup music thing some more. So, yes. But besides that, is yeah. there anything so, else uh, that you're working on? Yeah. So I am. Um, I'm trying to get back into my solo Sunday thing, where I, I upload a solo to Instagram every Sunday. And um, last Sunday was fun. I, I hadn't done it in a while, but I was listening to. So I don't know if you're. <laughs> bear with me here. I don't know if you're familiar with the Eurovision Song Contest, but oh, it's yeah. this. Yeah. So this year, you know, it was cancelled, and you know, the the greatest entry to ever be entered. <laughs> into the Eurovision Song Contest uh, was was denied the pleasure of winning, which is the Icelandic pop song called Think About Things by an artist named Dower Freyr, I think is his name. But it is the most it is the most perfect three minute twenty second pop song I've heard this year, and it is just it's it's a, it's an incredible fun piece of music, and it has this crazy synth horn solo, and it's it's in E flat. So I was like, okay, cool, maybe I can sit down and learn this. It's it's a lot of fun. There's a choreographed dance routine, but I I was like screw it I will try and learn this and once again I quickly figured out that it was in the minor pentatonic but because it's a synth line it doesn't use it's very unconventional in terms of we've talked about this before learning songs on different instruments 
Um, so that was actually quite a, a fun one to learn in terms of being able to figure out the patterns and the timing and everything on a different instrument. So that was my solo that I uploaded last Sunday. Um, Dylan Murphy makes music on Instagram, if anybody wants to listen. And this solo, uh, this Sunday, I am learning... Um, <laughs> I've narrowed it down to two Bon Jovi solos. Um, one is Living on a Prayer. The other is uh, You Give Love a Bad Name, which because I have mm. the because I have the tremolo arm, I'm trying to get that down. But it's a uh, yeah. it's, it's 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 a stupid solo. It's really really stupid, but I like it a lot. And um, I remember as a kid going, "What is he doing?" And um, so yeah, that's what I've been kind of learning this week. And also I'm back teaching, so I've been learning some. John Mayer and <laughs> no, that's a big it's a, sigh. Yeah, it's not. It's but you know whatever. We we we'll, we'll save it for our John. We hate John Mayer podcast. No, he's fine. He's good at what he does. He just it's all been done before. And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> check out our blues episode for more bashing of of Mr. Mayer. John Mayer. Um, so um, pick up music you want to learn about what it yes. is. And so. There is a guy on, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but there's a guy named uh, Sam Blakelock, who is this uh, Kiwi guy from New Zealand who lives in New York. And he's like this half jazz guitar, half digital marketing whiz. And he kind of plays them together by making these really, really cool Instagram videos in terms of where he breaks down music theory and what he's doing. And he'll play a solo and it's all very tight and, you know, really, really nicely produced. So I was like, okay, who is this guy? Started following him down and turns out that he's the founder of this thing called Pickup Music, which is essentially where he invites artists from all over the world to come and record in his studio and make little lessons. And he kind of releases them in these packs for the subscription service, which is $6 a month. And he's got everyone. Then he's got Ariel Posen. He's got like mm-hmm. just loads of ex- people. Jake Curran, um, who has a really, really good hybrid course that I was looking at there. Hmm. Um, and it's got everything, man, apart from like kind of heavy your music it's more jazz funk soul stuff but really really interesting so he's got you know he's got five minute licks he's got like five minute lessons he's got like master classes and one thing that i've really been liking is his artist toolkit which is all about marketing yourself as an independent musician and so yeah i think it's really really cool i've only been doing a couple of random lessons from it as well as that blues course but i found it really beneficial i mean like it's better than what you're getting on YouTube. I'm going to say that. Oh, I believe that. Yeah. It's just, it's just very well produced. And yeah, I mean, Sam, if you're listening, we'll tag you. Um, it'd be great to have you on just in terms of like, because guitar teaching is his his business. And even though he's a fantastic guitar player, he seems to have an eye for who's doing what on, you know, social media. Because a lot of these people are musicians that have just gained traction through Instagram. And it's really, really cool to see because they have so much, it's like people that you'd never, you'd never consider going to for a lesson. And they've got all this, uh, not free content, but close to free for six bucks a month. Um, So yeah, I highly recommend that for people that are interested. There's there's no trial or anything, but you know, you can cancel anytime you want. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend it in terms of if, you, if you're in a rut and you're looking for something different, um, it's, it's really, really cool. And they've got down, downloadable PDFs and um, mm. videos and everything. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd really, really recommend it in terms of it's given me something new because I'm, I'm like, it has these five minute lessons where I can like, I've got five minutes, I can learn this yeah. jazz progression that I've never seen. And there's a lot of thing on those really nice soul chords. There's those kind of uh, instructional lessons on them, which, you know, 
uh, or the gospel chords. Really, really cool. So yeah, that's that's Sweet. it. Um, yeah, highly recommend. Interesting. I admit, I was a little dubious uh, when you said you were signing up for it. I was like, okay. Yeah. Let See, me know. Is, I'd, I'd really like to do Berndt's, um course, but right now it's just, you know, lockdown and everything. It's not the most affordable thing in the world. But mm-hmm. um, even though it does look incredible and, it, you know, I'm going to see how I get on with this because it's that whole thing of like, you're not te- learning from a teacher, you're learning from a computer. And, you know, we've talked about that kind of before. Yeah. So I'm just going to see how I get on with this. But so far, so good, I have to say. It's a really, really That's cool very course. cool. So good resources. Good to know. Yeah, I can't really think of anything bad to say about it, to be honest. Um, just, just in terms of the format and the construction. And it's really slick. It's really, really well put together. So, um, Man, that's yeah. cool. Check it out. I, I, I'd highly recommend it. Um, we might read out, reach out to Sam and see if he'd be up for being on our silly old podcast. Um, yeah, that would yeah. be cool. Uh, yeah friends please uh take, check us out we are on instagram and we are basically trying to you know we're we're always coming up with new ideas for for stuff to record all the time you can send us a direct message on facebook or instagram or you can reach out to us at sharpen that at gmail.com we do have a patreon which we are working on getting stocked up with stuff and we have a few tiers there starting at one dollar a month and really help really appreciate it if you could help us out and um, because we've been doing this for a while yeah <laughs> um, three really years enjoy- now i think yeah I think we really years. enjoyed yeah we really enjoy doing it and would love if you'd um you know if you'd be able to chuck in a book if not no pressure we're always going to be doing it um next time we're going to be doing uh next episode will probably be a mini episode on worth talking about sweep or inside or economy picking mm-hmm. something like that we put out a mini episode every second episode and at the moment we're focusing on picking so go back and check out a few of those episodes uh the blues episode has been doing quite well as well you know where we talk about blues and we're also <gasps> setting up a spotify profile where we'll be linking to playlists of uh licks of the week and also of what we've been listening to and working on so yeah uh john anything to add sorry i kind of took the reins there yeah no i think we're good played us out and friends reach out to us uh we love we love hearing from you as always and if you've any like guest requests or anything we'd love to you know we're we're always open to suggestions but uh yeah and john listen you have anything else to add stay sharp friends catchphrase Oh, that is not...